Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jamie Dixon. For more great content, visit klcmain.com. I'm going to be really quick, but if you guys have your Bibles, go me to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. We're going to start here uh, this morning. And I want to read something because, um, you know, there's a, real, there's a really incredible intention. Uh, um, there, there's tension in, in, in the fact that we have these gatherings, these weekends, and the presence of God comes, and we're all messed up, and... There really is this kind of vibe of like, well, man, got to go back to work, you know, and, and some people weren't there and, you know, and, and it's like, was it just like a moment that would be like, oh man, you guys remember that weekend or will it be last night I kept hearing the Lord saying this is going to be a glory that remains. And, uh, and I really feel like not only in our gathering, but upon your life, I feel like there's, that God is, is releasing a move of his Holy Spirit on people and it's going to be a glory that remains. But in that there's a tension because it requires that the Lord would begin to do a work inside of us that learns to become stewards of his presence. And one of the things when you look upon like revival history, some of the greatest moves of God that happened inside the church were happening while the world was experiencing its greatest calamities. Like the greatest encounters in the church were happening at the same time as the world was having its greatest calamities. And, and what, what actually brought like reformation to culture out of revivals is, is the wisdom of God to how to bring what was going on in the church as a solution to the calamities of the world. And, and I, wanna, I wanna get into this morning about partnering with the spirit of wisdom. In, Reve- in Ephesians chapter 117, Paul prays, I pray that the Lord would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You know, the reason why he's saying that, he's saying, the Holy Spirit, I ask you that you'd operate as revelation and that you'd operate as wisdom. What is that? That is not only, every revival is a demonstration of a revelation. That God's revealing something about his nature and who he is, and then, and then he demonstrates and he manifests the very revelation we're having. You get a revelation of the Father's love and in his healing revival of the heart and the, of shame just gets breaking off, broken off the church. You get a, a revelation of God's desire to heal the sick and then and miracles happen. Whenever God reveals himself, there's a demonstration that follows. I remember Alexander Dowie, was praying uh, in the midst of a plague where everyone was dying and people were like quarantined and, not, and told not to go to church. It's supposed to be a joke. You're all just like, uh, 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 you know. It was real though. Everyone's told you don't go to church. It was like it was a, it, everyone was dying. And, um, and actually he gets the plague, right? And he is on his deathbed and he's reading the word. He's dying. And all of a sudden, this scripture from Acts 10.38 illuminates off the page and literally hits him in the face. And it's, and it's the scripture uh, that says, um, uh, in, the, in Jesus anointed the Holy Spirit, went around doing good, healing all who are sick and are oppressed with demons. And it came off the page and it hit him. And, and this came a wave of healing where he got authority over the plague and their church became a healing center in the midst of, of what was what other places were, uh, were quarantined. Um, if, if you look at uh, A.B. Simpson, uh, he actually was, was uh, dying as well, and he came to Old Orchard Beach, Maine. And he was, he was literally at a place, and there's a holiness, Azusa Street, Pentecostal meeting going on down the road, and this guy's like, not about it. And he, go, he gets invited on the beach, hey, come down to our holiness, we're having a healing meeting. He goes down there, he gets miraculously healed, actually encounters an angel of healing, and God gives him revelation of healing. And so then he calls all of his elders, and then 10,000 people every weekend were gathering in Old Orchard, Maine, for signs, wonders, and miracles, because he was getting a revelation of healing, and then God demonstrated it. 
Does that make sense? How many of you guys know that there's, there's, uh, the spirit of revelation will reveal a thing to the church, but it's the spirit of wisdom that will then apply the revelation to the brokenness of the world around us? Does that make sense? And so God says, I want to give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. God wants to reveal a thing. He wants to reveal his glory. He wants to reveal his, his beauty, his splendor. But we need to partner with the spirit of wisdom to say, God, how do you take the glory that we're encountering in this place and on my life and in private and devotion, what you're revealing to me? And how do I actually apply the wisdom of God and actually create a bridge from my encounter into the world as solution for the, for the ailment of society and culture around me? Are we all right? Let me read this, 1 Corinthians. I want to read this over us. Uh, Verse 6, it says, uh, 2 verse 6, However, we speak of a wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom. Everyone say hidden wisdom. We're, We're speaking of a hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of, of this age knew. For had they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it's written, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. For what, no, uh, what, what man knows the things of a man except for the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except for the spirit of God. But we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. There's a spirit of wisdom that's accessed in the presence of the Lord, but it's for the salvation of the world. Um, you know, how many of us know divine order will bring divine influence? But there's, a, there's something about aligning our lives to what God is doing. and We bring our life into alignment with what God is doing. It'll attract heaven to come. You know, I, I've, uh, uh, you know, there's, you know, we talk all the time about how we take teams to Salem, Massachusetts, and it's, we go on Halloween and, and all the witches and 200,000 people and Hare Krishna and all this wild stuff is going on. And uh, I, I remember calling all the churches going, how do we get, who do we partner with? What are you guys doing? And everyone's like, are you kidding? The Christians flee the town on Halloween. I go, you guys are nuts. This is the greatest opportunity for the gospel, Right. But then the Lord began to speak to me about, you know, about divine order and about how we actually had to set divine order in the city so that we could see divine influence come on the city. And so we positioned ourselves in the middle of Salem and we worshiped the Lord. We didn't cast down devils. We didn't contend against witches. We didn't give any attention to darkness. We ministered to the Lord. What's the number one commandment? Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. To love your neighbors yourself. Upon these two things hinges all the law and the prophets. Right? And so we positioned ourselves in the city. We ministered to the Lord and it shifted the atmosphere of a city. And when we went out, it attracted divine influence and people were getting saved and healed. And the first night we did it, we saw over 150 miracles on the streets in two hours. Oh, come on. 150 miracles. You guys are so spoiled. You guys got spirit filled privilege. Oh, miracles. Only 150, bro? <laughs> Come on. Don't be so cool. 150 miracles. I mean, like, the first miracle I saw that night was a deaf ear open. The girl scream crying, calls her mom. Mom, I can hear you. I'm on my, my deaf ear. I can hear you. God just opened my ear. 
We had a lady with stage four breast cancer. She's literally three months to live. And the breast, the, the cancer in her breast completely dissolved. So, so panicked. You guys, we have miracles and we go like, yeah, it's better. And we walk away, nothing happens with it. This girl was calling the town office and the town of Salem contacted us saying, a whole family's lives have been changed because of what you guys did on the street. And our entire town office is talking about it right now. You know what I mean? I mean, as a divine order brings divine influence. And so when God gives us wisdom and strategy for our scenario and situations, it'll attract the divine presence of God to begin to set things in motions and begin to reorganize, you know, culture and society. And, and so we, we're living in a day and an hour where there's so much calamity, so much this, and there's so much that. And we can get into these conversations, you know, when, when we, you know, they, we will get in these, we'll sucked into these endless conversations attempting to identify the problems of society and how we fix it. And we'll get into these excessive discussions of problems, but excessive discussions of problems only produce discouragement and discord. But when the church in, uh, encounters uh, the wisdom of God, uh, wi- that wisdom will be that wisdom will begin to bring the encounter that we've carried and bring it to the church. I said this in the first service. Romans uh, eight nineteen says, "All creation is groaning and waiting for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God, because all creation is subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it in hope that all creation would get delivered into the same liberty of the sons and daughters of God." What happens to you is meant to be distributed to the world around you. You've been given this ministry to experience something and then extend it to the world. And they're waiting for you to do that. All creation's groaning and waiting, not for the Messiah to return, but for the church to wake up, to have an encounter and then get, with, partner with the spirit of wisdom to take the power of God into the calamities of the world and bring a solution that only comes from heaven. You know, we're praying for, like, Father, we're saying, you know, uh, do on the earth uh, as it is in, in heaven. And how many of you guys know that when we're praying for on earth as in heaven, that we're held responsible for looking into heaven and then creating habits and decisions that reflect heaven's wisdom in order to attract heaven's influence to come? <clears throat> we, we, I, I really believe that these moments of encounter in our life are meant for us to then walk away and say, now God, give me marching order and instruction. Because God gives wisdom And when wisdom is sown, it produces favor. And favor will build platforms, and platforms will allow influence. And those that cultivate wisdom will influence culture. You know, I I was saying, uh, I was telling some stories. For the sake of time, I'll try not to tell too many of them uh, this morning. But I remember the first conference I ever held was, uh, I was 19 years old. And I held my first conference in this building. And uh, I had uh, Mike Smith come in and J- my friend Jason Westerfield and Sean Boltz and had all these guys come in. And, and um, I remember at the conference, um, I, I, I didn't realize um, when you throw a conference that conferences can attract some really weird behavior. <laughs> and um, one of the weirdest human beings I ever met, um, the first time I met him, he was in that service that night. And Sean Boltz was preaching. He was actually talking about the unity of the faith. He was talking about the unity of believers. And this guy stands up, and uh, he's no longer with us. He, he became a dear friend, uh, a dear brother in the Lord. And, uh, but this guy gets up, and he starts singing the Flintstone song. <laughs> yeah, you guys remember? I, I, I already forget. Meet the Flintstone, right? He starts singing that, and he's clapping his hands. And the whole room is like, what's going on, you know? And this guy stands there, and then he jumps up on the pew. He jumps up. He's a, kind of a, a bigger guy, right? And he goes... Flintstones, 
meet the Flintstones. He's trying to get the whole room rallied up. And Sean is standing there, and I'm just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And, and um, I, like at first conference, I don't know what to do, you know? And, and this guy then steps over the wooden pew, and people are getting out of the way. And he says, he goes, Flintstones! And he's climbing over the backs of pews all the way, and he gets to the front pew. And he looks at Sean, Sean's standing there. And I'm going, no, 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 no. And Sean goes. <laughs> and this guy jumps off the pew. And I'm not kidding, like a ballerina, this older, larger man is dancing across the front of the stage. And he's going, Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. And then he goes, we're going to be a happy family. Right, and the whole place erupts, you know, and he sits down. And, I, and I'm thinking, what just happened, you know? And so I sit down with this guy after. I was like, hey, man, what was the Lord saying? And, and he tells me this whole thing. And, and come to find out, he was actually one of the most influential foot doctors in the entire state of Maine. And this guy was regularly ministering to people, like, like washing their feet when they came in. And, and people were getting saved in his office and he was actually as well-respected on medical panels and all this different stuff. He was actually one of the most well-respected men. And, uh, but he was the weirdest dude I ever met, you know? <laughs> and uh, I, I could go down the line and tell you all these stories. Like some of the, your, your craziest, wild, shofar-blowing, flag-waving, crazy, wild people are actually like in positions of influence in politics, in government. And I remember going to Norway and I met this guy named uh, Magnar and he was six foot five Viking. Um, he looked exactly like, uh, like John Clement, like long hair, beard. And I'm doing this prayer conference in, I'm doing this prayer conference in Norway and this guy comes and he, he's like the strangest guy blowing shofars, waving flags. And he's like, you were there, you remember Magnar? And uh, and the guy was like a massive like man and, and he's at this little prayer conference and he's super strange and then I find out that he's actually one of the most highest influential leaders in the conservative Christian party of Norway. He actually like, he actually at one point, like one at the, uh, during the conference, um, he's the person that actually called the hospital and gave me um, significant privilege to actually go through a hospital, to go to a place I wasn't allowed to pray for a political leader that was literally dying on a table and God raised him from the dead. Magnar goes, let me make a phone call. It gets me on a plane and we fly into Bergen, Norway. We get special access. How many of you guys know that there, there is a wisdom that's not the wisdom of the world and that wisdom will crown you with glory and give you a platform for the purpose of influence and, that, and, and actually partnering with the spirit of wisdom will take you places that earthly wisdom can't take you. Are you guys hearing me? Okay, let me read this to you. Um, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I want to give you sound learning. Do not forsake my teaching, for I too was a son, and now I'm a father, still tender and cherished by my mother. And he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold my words with all your heart. Keep my commandments, and you will live. Get wisdom and get understanding. Do not forsake my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. For the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. <laughs> I love that. 
you know you're wise when you're asking for wisdom, right? He says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs you everything you have, get understanding. Even though it costs you your reputation, get understanding. Even though it costs you, uh, you know, your finances, get understanding. Even though it costs you uh, the, the th- you know, experiences of, of the carnal nature, get understanding. Everything that you have, get it. Cherish her, she will exalt you. Embrace her, she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. You know, uh, I, I, at this point of my life, I'm, I feel like I'm, I feel like the John Arnott of, of like my generation. God will move and people are doing somersaults and I'll just be, you know. I, I, I remember when Jill Austin came to our church once and, and there's a whole row. And I was 16 and, uh, and she goes, God's on the 11th row. And we counted one, it was my row. She goes, whole row, stand up. And she stood back and she goes, get ready, fire. And the whole row goes down. And I'm just standing there. Yes. And I could hear, I could see all the judgment of the church. What sin is in his life, you know? And <laughs> I, uh, but how many of you guys know that um, somebody's got to be the designated driver when God's moving the room, you know? Someone's got to lead us through this wild storm. But, I, but listen, uh, you, you know, th- there's something about... Um, there's something about learning how to cultivate wisdom on your life because it will position you for influence. To take what God is doing in your life and in privates and moments and corporately and actually learn how to then look upon the world and actually engage it with wisdom. I believe that God wants to give a creative spirit partner with wisdom that's gonna bring influence to places. You know, there's places, I mean, I was just like, immediately with that Larry Fosdown, made Bath Ironworks, you know, and people that are working different places, they're the, you know, did you know that Maine was actually marked as one of the, the, the biggest distributors of test making for COVID-19? During the middle of a pandemic, all the attention turned to Maine as they began to have this ability to produce something. Did you know that Oakland, Maine at one time was the largest producer of axes in the world and a town of 2,000 people had 20 factories of axe making and God gave gave somebody an idea on how to make axes differently so that they wouldn't break in Oakland, Maine. And all the world came to Oakland with a witty invention. Listen, I believe that God wants to give witty inventions and ideas and God wants to actually position people for influence that out of Maine, that there would be a call for the brokenness society saying in Maine, there's a solution because God gave someone a dream or an idea, but we have to learn how to partner with the spirit of wisdom to position ourselves to do that. And so can I just give you just, wow, can I just give you like really quickly three things about cultivating wisdom in your life? Okay, if you need to go, I, I, I release you. But, but um, let, let's start with this. Um, fear is not the beginning of wisdom. I'm gonna say that again. Fear is not the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many and your years will be added to your life. Your study, 
You know, I've had pastors and leaders saying, you know, guys, there's a generation and they're da 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 They're so intelligent. They have so much information. We need to study what they're studying, engage what they're, they're engaging in. And, and we need to know things. We need to speak to it. And I'll be honest with you. Like, I was a valedictorian of, of my class. I was who shoes American high school students. I had a full-ride scholarship to university. I clearly love education. I love learning. But can I just say this? Understanding does not begin with education. It begins with understanding the holiness of God. That wisdom is not produced from books. It's produced from encounters with God. Not knocking on education, but we're not going to actually match a a, uh, humanistic culture and society through intellect. We're going to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, fear and self-preservation will masquerade itself as wisdom. But fear that calls itself wisdom is actually just intimidation. You know, I think sometimes we call it wisdom when we feel intimidated and so we, we operate with reservation. And caution and reservation is not the fruit of wisdom. The fruit of wisdom is hope, boldness, courage, faith, and expectation. Are you with me? Wisdom is found in acknowledging God's ability, not in the potential obstacles. Some people will say it's wisdom that they're so wise because they can see all the future problems coming and navigate them. Your ability to navigate problems is not wisdom. It's literally just being so acquainted with the spirit of fear that you actually know how to predict a a bad future. Wisdom doesn't sow doubt, it sows expectation. You know, I was talking about my friend Jason, my friend Jason uh, Westerfield, uh, he got saved on the streets and um, he would tell the story when he first got saved, he, he didn't go to church for a year. He, somebody led him to the Lord and then just gave him a Bible and said, read this and believe everything in it. And they told him like, just so you know, like you right now, because you have the Holy Spirit, you can heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to learn it. You don't have to get there. Just go and do what Jesus did. And everything in this thing is real. And if you believe it, Um, it, Leonard Ravenhill said, one of these days, um, somebody's actually going to read the Bible and believe it in hell is going to be terrified. And, you know, and, and, uh, and Jason just read the Bible and he believed it. So he started going out and he had a 100% healing rate the first year that he was saved. He never prayed for anyone that didn't get healed. Everyone got healed. This guy was like so, fo- like so dedicated to like hearing the voice of the Lord that he would actually go out to like parks and he lived in the downtown Sacramento. He would blindfold himself and then go, all right, God, speak to me. Tell me how to get home. And this guy would just start walking and run into trees and hit things and almost get hit by cars and just walk in the middle of the street. And he would come home bloodied and bruised. And, and, uh, but day after day of doing that, all of a sudden, he could hear the voice of the Lord so clearly that he literally, the Lord would say, stop. And he'd stop left and he would go left. And he would learn to hear the voice of the Lord so that when he went, when he took the blindfold off, he continued to hear his voice. He was calibrating his life. And, um, and so one day he meets somebody and he prays for him and, and um, they go, you know, uh, we have a really great church. You should really get plugged into church. You should come to church. And so he goes to the church and the elders are talking to him and he's a little wild and he's a little crazy. And, and, uh, and they're saying, uh, you know, tell us your story. And he starts talking about all the miracles that he's seen. And somebody was really concerned for this young man. Oh, the zeal on your life. Wow, look at that zeal. Oh man, I'm so concerned that you're gonna be disappointed with that zeal. Um, I just wanna let you know, did you know that even if God doesn't heal the sick, it's okay. Sometimes that'll happen. And somebody in their fear of, of 
God not coming through, sowed their doubt and their unbelief on his life. And they said, just get ready for disappointment and please stay faithful to the Lord. They thought their fear was wisdom, but it was actually a spirit of intimidation. And after that moment, immediately Jason on the streets prayed for someone and they weren't healed. How many of you know, listen, wisdom sows expectation, not doubt. It's not being so, so familiar with the coming obstacles. Fear is actually, uh, the, it, is, uh, it, it, it speaks to God's ability, not to the potentials that we have to navigate. Are you with me? The second thing is this, is that wisdom looks up, not in. In James chapter three, verse 14, this is powerful. Please listen to every word I'm about to say. Is, Who is wise in understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes from above. This is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Whoa. Wisdom that comes from heaven is not looking to preserve myself. It's looking to promote the agenda of heaven. Wisdom is not looking to preserve my dignity and my worth and my reputation. It only wants to glorify the Father in heaven. I'm willing to lose everything. What does it say in Proverbs? It says, at all costs, get understanding. If it costs you everything, get wisdom. Why? Because sometimes the wisdom of God will position you in places where bitterness and selfishness and envy and all these different things inside of us cannot exist for us to actually access the wisdom of God that's needed to pull heaven down into a scenario and situation. Actually, wisdom will literally confront the things inside of us that are in the way. Wisdom that comes from heaven is not looking to preserve myself, it's looking to promote the agenda of heaven. And I know sometimes we try to convince ourselves that fighting for ourselves is wisdom, but that's only because we don't truly believe that if we live for the kingdom, the Lord will fight for us. It says, if you seek first the kingdom, everything will be added unto you. And sometimes the wisdom of God will look like bankrupting your life in belief that God will fight your battles. But if we have selfish ambition inside of us, we'll actually say no to the wisdom of God in order to preserve our own, our own dignity, our own, our own preservation, our own, our own wealth, our own security, and we'll resist it because he's inviting us into a place of supernatural partnership, which means that we might have to bankrupt everything concerning us in order to promote his kingdom. And you know what's amazing? If you lay it all down for the kingdom, sometimes we go like, all right, Lord, where's my reward? Did you know the reward was promoting the kingdom? <laughs> but seek first the kingdom and everything will be added unto you. The reality is, is we have a deficit of belief and trust in the Lord because we don't actually trust that he's actually gonna show up. If we lay everything at his feet, will he actually preserve our life? I feel more comfortable in my hands than in his. But how many of you guys know that's actually demonic? And that's not Jamie saying that. That is the book of James. I... <laughs> sure. Sure. Here, here's the last part. You guys, all right? Last part. Um, how many? How many of you guys know wisdom comes from above? In James chapter three seventeen, it says, "But the wisdom from above is first pure, and then it's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere." I like that part. The wisdom of God is impartial. 
You know, the wisdom of God actually does not partner with your political leanings. The wisdom of God could actually take somebody that you don't agree with, position them in leadership, and actually change a nation. And we'll go, no, no, no. And God goes, man, I'm completely impartial to all that. This is my wisdom. Whoops. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That word, um, that, that word um, uh, pure is, is really important, though. That it's first pure. Um, it's important because that word purity actually in, in the uh, Greek, it actually has this forceful, forcefulness and violence to that word because that word pure um, introduces the idea of a, a leader or position of authority that's restricting you, correcting you, or amplifying what he has said to you. Uh, meaning that if you had an idea of what you thought was right, and then God spoke. You know, the wis- wisdom oftentimes um, usually looks entirely different than what we would normally do. Oftentimes, wisdom looks like something completely out of our character. It looks like something unfamiliar to us. And God says, I'm not partnering with your personality. I'm partnering with my wisdom. And I'm actually going to pull you out. And there's actually places of unbelief and things I'm going to correct in you. Wisdom looks a little different. You know, I think about, I think about um, Adam and Cassandra and them moving here and having so much wealth in their life and so much favor where they were. And then God says, let's go. And they literally forfeit everything. And they come here and they take risks. It comes a real estate agent. And can you, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys have had like your wealthiest years of like real estate, family, wealth, and everything has been in Maine, not Texas. Guys. It's, un, it's unreal. It's, I, I mean, uh, you know, I was talking, I was boasting about Liz. Can I do it again? Do you need to leave the room? Do you, she said, okay. Do you need to leave the room? I'm going to talk about you. Okay. She hates it so much. This, this is a last story. Listen, with the wisdom of God, I, do, you, do you believe that like from the state of Maine, God could raise up people that like, like have this like uh, stuff that cure cancer and like end droughts in Africa. And like, do you guys believe that like irrigation systems could actually be invented in Maine that then go to places where they can't irrigate and it feeds entire villages. And like, you know, the wealth of Maine could actually, we could hit a gold vein in Maine that could actually like spend, like actually like, uh, bring wealth to the nation. Do you guys believe that's possible? Um, you know, I, I, think about, um, I think about Liz, and I was telling a story about when my wife and I, you know, we first met, and I'm this wild and prophetic, and she's like, I think I know somebody like you. And it was unfamiliar for Shannon when, we, when, we, when she first started, you know, coming and, and uh, getting into this, like, prophetic stuff, and God encountered her, and she's like, this reminds me of my friend Liz. And, uh, and, and she started talking about, like, there's this woman, Liz, and she lives in the middle of nowhere. She lives in Caratunk. Anybody ever even heard of Caratunk? 70 registered voters in the town of Carantunk. There's probably more water and deer and moose than there is human beings and, um, and land. And, um, 
And, and, and uh, she's telling about her and she's like, because she's so far out there and they're guides and whitewater rafting and all this kind of stuff. And she goes, but they just like, they get all of the tapes in and they get all the conferences and they watch all these things on live stream and God's moving and their children prophesy. I think you'd really like this lady Liz, you know, and you guys are like the same and you guys talk the same language and she's so hungry for the presence of God and, and God just moves powerfully on her home. I was like, yeah, she sounds amazing, but she's so far out there we would like never meet, you know? And uh, she was a town selectman. They don't even have a town manager or a mayor. Like she's a town selectman. They have a post office, you know? And like, and, um, and, and, and so she's hidden up there and raising her children and, and, and she's, um, you know, homeschooling her kids and running a co-op and just doing, being faithful to what the Lord has given her. And, uh, and then all of a sudden this like corridor project comes up in the state of Maine. And these international, uh, these international lobbyists come in and they actually try to present to the state of Maine that we'll actually bring energy, but there's actually a lot of thievery and deception and there's a lot of lying and there's a lot of, there's actually money that would not go into Maine or actually go into the foreign policy and, 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 and uh, you know, some world economic system stuff. And so she's, she gets invited because the core is gonna come right through her town. And so all of a sudden she's been, you know, slaying bears and lions and all of a sudden this corridor is coming through and they go, hey, uh, ma'am, and they think they're coming into this homeschool mom and they're being like, yeah, we'll just tell her everything we tell everybody else and she'll sign on because we'll give money and stuff, right? She comes in, she opens the books and she goes, mm-mm. <laughs> and she starts seeing it all. And all of a sudden she signs up for the fight. She goes, I'm gonna fight for my community. I'm gonna fight for my business owners. I'm gonna fight for my people. And she starts going from like town meeting to town meeting to town meeting. She starts taking on all of these like talking heads. And all of a sudden she becomes one of the leading voices against the corridor. And God gives her language and strategy and wisdom on how to actually expose their plan and, and bring the deception because it was a sure thing. They were they, literally before it was even legal, they're building the corridor because they knew it's such a sure thing. And then comes Liz Caruso with the word of the Lord. She's hating every second of this. But, but, and then all of a sudden that when she would go to a town meeting to kind of like debate the thing that was going on, uh, they would actually go like, oh, Liz is there. Send the best that we have. Send them. They would fly them in to try to argue against her and they never could. And uh, all to the point where even Tucker Carlson calls her up and says, get on my show. I want you to tell the world what's happening in Maine. Let's pull the lens of them. She goes to Tucker Carlson. She gets on the show, exposes the whole thing. And the state of Maine rallies behind her voice and they turn against the whole corridor, shut the thing down. It makes it illegal and gets them out. What God, what God did in that moment where God was giving her wisdom and strategy, then all of a sudden the Lord speaks to her and says, I'm actually calling you to another battle. I'm calling you to another fight. I want you to run for office. She gets called by actually people who are saying, hey, we've been watching every move that you make and we believe that you're supposed to be a candidate supposed to run for office. And they throw everything out of Washington, D.C. behind her and start running with her. And she comes to me, she goes, I don't want to do this, but I feel like God is asking me to do this. And she runs an incredible campaign and to the point where now it's open doors for her that she's now from Caratunk, Maine, being given open doors to change policy and culture and society in the state of Maine in, in, in Augusta. How many guys know that, that there is a hidden wisdom? Yeah. And it will crown you with glory and position you. Thank you for letting me brag on you. This is really important to me because it's not, it's not just about, I'm, I'm boasting on the Lord in, in Liz because in what she's fought for, because it's not just about her. It's, it's about saying that God will actually take you in the field with the Lord and out of your encounter with God and then position you in places that you have no reason to belong there. You have no credibility to be there other than the fact that you've been given the word of the Lord. You've been positioned for such a time as this with a platform of influence to change society. I believe 
that God is shaping a generation that will change everything. I know people right now that are being some of the highest chief editors in Sony are being hired right now to edit movies that are like spirit-filled wild believers. I know there are movies that are being written right now that are being written from prophetic dreams. I know right now that there are the swirliest, wildest, crazy people that are praying inside of the Capitol building right now and have access to every single senator. And they're literally getting dreams and visions and prophesying and they're changing culture. I, I could tell you things that would blow your mind right now, but you need to understand is that there is a hidden wisdom that is being found in encounter and then being shared to the world for influence and change of society. Are, are, you, are you with me? Come on, and I believe the Lord wants to teach us how to partner with the spirit of wisdom for our families, for our universities, for our high schools, because God has wisdom that will unlock it. And it might not look like man's wisdom and man's ways, and it might look funky and weird and strange and cost you everything, but it will open heaven and bring influence for the transformation of society. Is that all right? What God is doing here will die if it stays here. It's got to go. It's got to go. And we can't sit back and say, well, Lord, do it. He said, no way. I did do it. Now go with it. Go. Go with it and partner with my spirit to see. Why don't you guys stand with me?